Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. You are in for such a treat today. This is one you do not want to miss because I have some very special guests with me as we tackle the second last episode in our Spheres collection where we land in the court, land in the field, catch the ball, hit the racket. Okay, I need to stop. Of all things, sporting sphere. See what I did there. And I've got two amazing guests. One is the club chaplain of the Melbourne Rebels and the other is the chaplain for the Parramatta Eels. And all the sporting fans went wild. And I previously did an interview with them that you're going to hear in a moment. And it is so inspiring because these two men are literally prophesying over players and over sporting icons and really making a difference for the kingdom and in these athletes' lives. So you are going to love today. But before we get there, I just wanted to set a little bit of a foundation of what it could look like to influence in the sporting sphere. Remembering as prophetic people, we're talking about operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gift of prophecy, wherever God has placed you. This is part of the new wineskin is the prophetic breaking outside of the four walls of the church. So let's look at an example from the sporting sphere. You may now be familiar with a name that you'd never heard at the beginning of the year, and that is the name of the legend Nicola McDermott. She's an Australian high jumper who this year alone set three national records. And before April this year, no Australian woman had ever jumped two meters. But now, after jumping 2.02 meters to win silver in Tokyo, she's setting her sights on the world record in Paris in 2024. But her sporting achievements are not the most impressive thing about Nicola. Listen to this quote from her in The Guardian. She said, my faith is the reason I've stayed in the sport so long. Faith is confidence in things you haven't seen, right? Well, two meters. When I was an eight-year-old jumping 1.15 meters, I needed a bit of faith to believe in that. I pursued sports so hard until I was 20 that I thought that was what would make me happy. Once I was an Olympian, once I reached something, then I'd be happy. I got to a level where I had everything I dreamed of, but I was still dissatisfied. And I realized I'd put my identity into my performance and achievement. Faith for me was realizing I'm loved regardless of performance. 
High jumping is simply a way to connect me to God. Preach, Nicola. Yes, girl. And this is actually one of the pitfalls of this sphere that we can put our identity, and by we, I'm talking like I'm an elite athlete, but go with me here, that we can put our identity in our achievements in the sporting world. And you'll hear in this interview today that we do touch on this with these two legends. But back to Nicola, because this girl doesn't just preach, she prophesies on the world stage. Listen to this quote from the Sydney Morning Herald earlier this year. I'm so thankful the Olympics went ahead. I think the world needed to have some inspiration at the moment. Every single time I saw an empty stadium, I just reminded myself that one day those stadiums will be filled. My dream since 2017 has been that it wouldn't just be for sporting performances, that maybe we would have revival meetings again like Billy Graham did years ago in Australia and people would hear things from athletes that would change their lives not just be spectators. That has been my drive. Those empty seats almost inspired me even more than when there is a full stadium. Did you just catch that? Because this girl caught a revelation of what things could look like from heaven, a packed stadium, not for her, but for revival meetings. And then she just went about reporting it on the world stage with the giftings and the influence God had given her. If you saw interviews of her in Tokyo, there she was proudly saying, I want to see stadiums packed for revival. What an inspiration. And she has now now even started a ministry for Christian athletes called Eternal Crowns. This girl is doing exactly what this podcast or this collection is about, taking her gifts and her passions from God and speaking for Jesus wherever he has placed you. But who here knows that it is not always easy to stand up for what we believe in? Think about for a moment Margaret Court. She is a sporting icon in Australian, in the Australian nation. And she won more Grand Slams than any other woman. She has an arena in Melbourne that was named after her. And yet she spoke out in recent years about her beliefs from the Bible because she's also a pastor in the beautiful city of Perth and people tried to strip her of her sporting accolades. She was attacked in the media. It's not always easy to stand up for what we believe in as Christians. And you're actually going to hear these wonderful men that I'm about to introduce you to today speak about some of those tensions that we can experience in this sphere for our athletes and sporting icons. So let me introduce to you the incredible chaplain of the Melbourne Rebels Football Club, which is a rugby union club, David Latianara. He is a great friend of mine, has had an incredible influence on my sons. He's very prophetic. He's kind. He's compassionate. He is caring. He really is such a legend who is operating in this space right now, working with athletes every day, but in an incredible two-for-one and the kind of two-for-one where you don't just get free steak knives. This is the kind of two-for-one you will not believe because we also have with us today George Dancy, who is the chaplain for the Parramatta Eels, a beautiful man of God. He's also the sports chaplain at Hillsong Church. So welcome to the podcast, both Dave and George. It is so good to have you here. So now that I've talked you both up, Dave and George, 
as the absolute legends that you are, you can give us your very own version of your background, your history, how you ended up working in this sphere, George, you for the Parramatta Eels, Dave, you for the Melbourne Rebels. Why don't you go first, Dave, and tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess the sporting, I've always grown up playing sport. Yeah. Uh, sport has been the, I guess, um, the way in which I've been able to, I guess, vent out my own emotions. Yeah. Uh, uh, but also it's in my culture too that, uh, you know, we don't just stay inside, we go outside of the Oval and play touch rugby or you yeah. know, try to find uh, sticks and stuff and try and play army or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I've always um, enjoyed playing sport. I've, I've grown up playing basketball my whole life and uh, and then veered off to playing uh, rugby, which um, is the sport that they play in heaven and I love it. <laughs> uh, so uh, I've never looked back. Um and yeah, I guess probably in terms of my my heartbeat of where I've been able to to get into to being a, at at the Melbourne Rebels. Um, well, God actually gave me this dream when I was sixteen uh, that I was going to be mentoring professional athletes. Mm-hmm. While I was already an athlete, I was like sort of thinking, "How the heck is that going to happen?" Um, but I had this prophetic picture. Um, uh, I was a dream where I was walking. Uh, across Bridge Road with a bunch of athletes and we were having coffee and I didn't even drink coffee because I was 16, <laughs> uh, which now I drink coffee all the time. And uh, But, yeah, I just saw this picture keep coming up every night. And then, uh, you know, I'm a wonderful ripe age of, you know, 36, I think. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm mentoring professional athletes. I've been doing that for about, you know, four or five years now. And uh, it's been kind of interesting where I've, I've had a great opportunity to uh, you know, serve in all different facets of the body of the church. And um, I think one of the funny things is um, serving in church first before how I actually got there was uh, I served in youth a lot. Um, and uh, a lot of what I did, your first start off when you serve in youth is you got to cold call people. Uh, and so you don't go doing that through church databases and it was kind of cool just trying to call t- teenagers and you don't get anything back. But through that time, you get to see uh, what you do and what you serve in church in these church databases. And uh, on my church, database, I thought I'd look up, you know, what does it say that I'm doing, you know, and I looked at it and it said, David Latianara, good at lifting. That was it. Didn't say I was, didn't say I was part of the worship team. Didn't say I was, you know, uh, overseeing the year nines or in youth. But it said Dave Latinara good at lifting. So, you know, I could have taken that as a as an offence, but I took it and embraced it as okay. You know what? I'm not just going to be a uh, somebody who's going to take those. Offense. I'm going to be a. I'm going to embrace it to go and lift people up. And so as a youth leader at that time, I decided to go and pick up teenagers from my from my, my suburb, which were a bunch of Islanders. And uh, a lot of those Islanders at that time were watching me play rugby and, uh, you know, jumped on a bus from the street to say, hey, you guys, what, what are you guys doing? You want to come to youth? They all jump on my bus and we, they'd come to youth. So I'd just give them lifts. They'd come to my... Uh, come to church, you know, come to grow and know who he was. And then funny enough, some of those athletes, uh, some of those young boys became athletes and girls as well. So as they became, um, jumped onto uh, playing for Melbourne Rebels and uh, they actually asked me if I could come along. And uh, next thing you know, at the previous chaplain was transitioning out 
and uh, they asked me if I wanted to do it. So next thing you know, here I am, and uh, it's been pretty awesome. And Laddie, I just want to say how grateful I am for you and that you do lift everybody around you. I've served on worship teams beside you and you make an environment feel safe. You've always been so encouraging and honouring of myself, but also your work with my boys, particularly my eldest, Noah. He feels so safe with you. He loves you. And I'm so grateful for your impact in his life. And you are, no matter where you go, you're always about lifting people up. So thanks for not taking offence and just owning that because you are doing it so well, my friend. George, tell us a little bit about you. What's your background? How did you end up working with, is it the greatest rugby league team on the planet or what? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Stacey. Yeah, it's a similar story and journey towards um, what Dave was saying. Um, definitely background-wise, we're definitely from the same culture and, and, and country. So Fijian, born and raised, uh, migrated when I was eight, actually no, going on seven, and so based myself in Sydney, one of five kids, uh, three boys, uh, three girls, two boys, second eldest, but sport's always been in the blood. Um, and so sport and ministry or church has sort of been parallel with me. Like, you know, you, can, you sort of can't drift away from those two parallels. And so uh, it's always been a passion. Obviously played rugby when I was young. I uh, went to a good school, and so I thought pursuing rugby or sport was was going to be my thing. But it wasn't until I went to a boarding school, and then kept getting injured. Uh, just things wasn't working out. But the one thing I found joy was actually just catching up with different, um, yeah, teammates or athletes that were actually injured, and I found a lot of joy in that. Um, just making sure that they're okay. I guess it comes in with the nature that I am, but over a period of time trying to figure out what I want to do in life, which everyone goes through, whether it be uni or whatever, you sort of find, um, you know, your passion. And, and and I found out that there is something called a – actually, one of the one of the guys that I was running a connect group or a, a cell group at the time with a bunch of boys, and one and two of them played, played professionally. And one of them actually said, you know what, you'll be a good chaplain. And I said, chaplain, what's that? And he said, well, you know, we have a chaplain on our team. Um you be. I can see you doing it for years, and so he's the, he's the, he's pretty much the guy that spoke that into my life. And then I looked up sports chaplain, and then there was this organisation called Sports Chaplaincy Australia. Um, I did a week course, and then in that week course, they had, they had a couple of chaplains from different clubs coming talk, and straight away mm-hmm. I knew that was one what I wanted to do. And so um, the journey continued on. You know, you work nine to five jobs, but you know your passion was somewhere else. And it wasn't until uh, couple of years later that my church um, asked me to come on board as a sports chaplain because they I think they were seeing the um, you know a couple of athletes coming here and there and just just taking care of them and so been a sports chaplain ever since and same thing as um, Dave said about a couple of years uh, years after the chaplain for the Parramatta Eels he was leaving and it just so happened that a couple of the athletes that played for the Parramatta Eels they were in the connector that I was running and so just they they asked the um, the football manager, if, if if I if there was a position for me, and I actually just turned up to the club to catch up with them, and the football manager just turned around and said, "Oh, I've been hearing about you um, from other players, so can you come have a chat?" And so that was pretty much my interview, really. And wow. um, so ever since then, it's been it's been a great journey. I've been in the club for ten plus years, and so you see a lot of turnover with staff and and and, and coaches and players. But the best thing about it is just you just 
you sort of impart some sort of, you know, pivotal moment in their life because life is a big, it's 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 long and, and there's an adventure, but you, you've, I sort of feel like that's what I'm called to do. And so I'm just sticking to my lane. So great. And I love that we've got Fiji represent here. Laddie knows how much I love Fiji and I've got incredible memories of going to games at the stadium, rugby games yes. and eating the warm corn. Yes, so good. <laughs> um, my parents actually lived in Fiji for a number of years, George, so yeah, it's, right. a, it's a country that's very much on our heart. So for both of you, maybe we'll start with you, George. What do you see your primary role as as your mandate from God when it comes to working with the athletes? Yeah, it's a good question. I think my mandate is just a. Uh, I'm I'm definitely a link in the chain to, mm-hmm. obviously discovering who they are in Christ, mm-hmm. um, and that chain may be a little, the long chain or it could be a short chain. But I think, for me being the chaplain, but also now breaking into a well-being sort of space, which is what chaplaincy comes under in in, in some clubs, is just a just to make them become better men or females if they're in the female sport or individual sport. So just make them become better, better person, better better father, better um, individual. You know, like you sort of got to, you sort of have to work backwards because um, mm-hmm. they always talk about the here and now, but I think of them five years, ten years from now. So if uh, we can talk about, you know, them being married and, and having kids now and, you know, I sort of started something that, you know, who knows what could go down the track. So I feel like definitely a link in terms of providing a bit of support and and, and, and comfort around, but also giving a bit of inspiration outside of their, their skill. So good. And you're actually describing being prophetic, not just seeing what's in the yeah. now, but seeing what's possible for their future. It's brilliant. What about you, Laddie? What do you feel like God is asking you to do and to carry each day in your interactions with the athletes? Yeah, well, I guess um, location-wise we're in Melbourne and, you know, we're in the sporting precinct. So I I don't treat – I treat Amy Stadium or the sporting precinct as my campus. Come on. Uh, I treat it as whoever is in that that precinct where where it's the Demons, the the Storm, the Victory or the Collingwood uh, Football Club, you know, bless Collingwood, uh, you know, pray for them. They need it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, my my job is to you know support every single player, and, and as I said before, like uh, some of those players had jumped on my bus of playing in those different codes as well. So, um, you know, I find that most of my job in that pro- sporting precinct uh, is to mentor players in their faith, uh, whether they're starting out from their their baby faith and helping them to their next step and. Uh, I found also this other aspect of helping uh, other athletes and staff uh, to help them understand faith, because uh, there's a lot of play, a lot of players and staff that uh, you know I've had players and staff come up to me saying they're an atheist, yeah. and I say, well done, congratulations, you know, let's let's have a conversation, you know, yeah. and uh, helping them to understand, you know, its importance or. Uh, to the benefits of a player's well-being or, you know, to their performance or and, and helping them understand that it is important to, you know, a player in the club and what it values to do. I think also what I found just during COVID um, where I've had to pivot uh, uh, quite a few times uh, in, in this role, I found that it's really trying to be really creative and innovative to share the love of God 
um, where being present is not being present in the natural but supernaturally. Uh, And so that's something that I've had to do a lot in this time during lockdown as a majority of my players uh, had been away for eight, eight, nine months or something uh, during the time of the season. So, yeah. So good. Um, I also love, Laddie, that you're talking about thinking about ways to be there for people when you can't be present with them in person because that has been a huge challenge for anybody working with people in this season. Can either of you, maybe both of you, share a story about a time where you've heard the Holy Spirit giving you insight about one of your players, one of your athletes, and how you have then operated out of that revelation or that insight from God? You want to go first, Dave? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I think a lot of the time when God speaks to me, uh, as I said, God speaks to me through dreams and visions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he gives me also like uh, through worship and stuff. So a lot of the time we uh, we do a Bible studies with the boys and uh, we do that 8 a.m. in the mornings before captains run. And, uh, you know, uh, one thing I found is being able to, uh, I guess a story I could share is a one of the players, he had injured himself mm-hmm. uh, during a game. Uh, but God showed me this picture that he would be playing for the Wallabies one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was just a young buck. He injured his knee. He thought his, his season was out. And I just literally just sat and sat with him and just prophetically just declared, hey, God's just showed that there is, an, uh, there is still more to come and that he saw a gold jersey that was coming out um, that you would actually represent this country and that the potential that you bring out will give God's glory. Oh and uh, he was like, oh, I don't know about that, but he was like, yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, three years on, uh, he just had his first start last week. Oh, my and, goodness. You know, it's just really oh, cool to you know, share those those words to him and saying, hey, how amazing where God's put you right here right now that it's it's come to pass and you just get to enjoy its fruits and uh, and just be able to wear that gold jersey. So it's been really cool to walk with him um, throughout his injury and then get him back out on the field and then to be able to um, see him out there playing with the gold jersey, which is uh, makes me pretty proud to see that oh, as well. not wrong. Oh, that cool. is brilliant. I'm dancing on the inside. What about you, George? Yeah, yeah uh, there's, there's obviously been a lot. I just think... Um, like just going back to your question about um, what have you, I've learned, I think I definitely started off with the mindset when I started as a chaplain um, what this would look like, but then mm-hmm. it's definitely definitely grown over the years, and so I've had to adapt. Um, and just listen to to, to to Dave before, like you have, you definitely have to adapt to different things and what chaplaincy represents. And I think um, that has definitely developed some good um, inroads with coaching staff and. And athletes over time. One, I remember one person told me, and it's ever it's stuck with me ever since. He said, "You know what? In this space, you just got to love them, love them, love them until they ask you why." And so that's that's just stuck with me the whole time because obviously our message of Jesus is just to love on them, regardless. I mean, Jesus spent the majority of his ministry hanging out with the outcasts, the people that you know. And it is such a volatile environment. You know, there's it's not for all. But I remember um, a particular athlete. Uh, I've come to know when he was young and he was getting pretty prominent and he was getting, you know, quite a bit of a profile. And then um, we got really wealthy coming over for dinners, but um, he started to, you know, at that age where they start to go out and meet someone special. 
And so he was telling me about um, this particular person, female, that he that he met. But in the meantime, I've just been asking every weekend, I just flick him a text and say, look, you want to come to church? No pressure whatsoever. Um, and, you know, he would obviously decline or, or, or not even reply. But this is just a, an example of... Uh, of our exchange. I've already asked him if I can use permission. I won't use his name, but uh, this is the text exchange between me and him. Uh, and this is going back probably seven, probably seven, eight years. He said, I, this is, uh, this is me going, uh, Hey brother, how are you? Heard you've been training well. Just wanted to extend an invite to church tonight. If you're, if you want to come at 6 PM tonight, trust me, you'll love it. Um, he replies, Georgie, how are you brother? I'm great. When they start, when they start with that, you know, or, you know, we've got their relationship. Um, training has been pl- uh, has been good. Played a few games. It's it's good to be back on the park. It's been too long. Obviously, he was injured. Uh, for tonight, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really that keen. Uh, I really appreciate the offer, but I th- but I think I'm not ready yet. But I'd like to catch up soon to discuss some things. And I went, oh, okay, something something's up here. Uh, Church and me haven't really seen eye to eye. Since I was little, my family didn't go to church. Mates have asked me to come over the years, but I, but I want to go when I don't feel like or obliged to, if you know what I mean. I met a girl too. Hello. I met a girl. <laughs> I met a girl too. I'd really like you to meet her as well. Really cool girl from up the coast. Grew up in church, feels really strongly about God. Reminds me, reminds me a bit of you. Well, okay, cool. Um, he goes, sorry, Georgie, I know I've been putting it off, but I think I need some time. Hopefully catch up soon when you're free. And this is what I wrote back to him. I said, I love your honesty, mate, bro. That's, that's something that stands out with you. I wouldn't pressure you to something you wouldn't want to do. The fact that that is that God is always there for you regardless of your past experiences or church or people. And the fact that you have a great girl tells me that. Let me know wherever, um, whenever you, uh, whenever you're ready, and I'm always here for you or chat or lunch or coffee. Don't think that you have to be ready to go to church. The church that we're all part of is a, is a come as you are type church. We all messed up, but God still loves you the same, right? So I left it at like that, and um, so we we ended up catching up, and uh, and she's actually like a full on believer. Um, so he, a couple of weeks after that, he texts me saying, "Hey." I'm coming with her. We actually come to church tonight. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and uh, he comes, gets saved that night, by that on, night man. at church, right? And ever since then, like, they've been coming. She drove all the way from the coast, and they met up, and then they came to church. Ever since they were coming for a couple, uh, probably, uh, probably a month, month and a half, maybe two months, they literally just built a community around them. They were new, by the way, but mm-hmm. they just didn't, like, Church finished at seven quarter past seven seven thirty. They'll be the last ones to leave. We'll actually have to kick them out because they're just chatting with everybody, talking. They eventually get married. They eventually get married. I did the wedding. Wow. Um, he's now in France with their first child. So just you just see the progression over a period of time where he just um, have that sort of um, you know part to play, and I feel like that's something that you know one of many stories I guess that Dave and I. Just something that sort of is like you sit back and you go, God, you're so faithful. Yeah. Um, felt the urge to at least throw the invite out. Yeah. Come comes back, there's nothing there, but at least there's something else. And I think like God works in different opportunities that you wouldn't expect. 
That is so great. I am so grateful for what you both do. So very grateful. And this is what kingdom looks like. Exactly yeah. where God has placed you in your passion area, colliding with your calling and look at the difference it's making. I want to ask about an issue that you can share as much or as little as you want to, but it did come from the football world and this person pay, played for both codes that you two represent. And it was an incident that was quite, quite controversial. It was a young man that I grew up with in um, Brisbane and he was a very high-profile high player who was a Christian and something that he spoke out about was uh, grabbed onto by the press. It affected his entire career and what I imagine it may have done affecting other Christians within the football world was potentially make them feel a little bit hesitant to speak out about their faith and certainly maybe cause the environment to be a little bit hostile towards them. Were either of you involved in that and what effect do you think that that actually had on the other players within the sport? Um, I wasn't involved directly. I know that the ramifications, the domino effect sort of was felt around the sporting world, especially in both codes, but also in some clubs of that they we had a strong spiritual belief in our in some of our groups. Yeah. Um, I actually just had to just more of a get a, get my pastoral hat on and just see if everyone's okay yeah. with what was happening and 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 if they're okay with it. Mm -hmm. The majority of the guys were okay, but we just talked about just um, using your profile and platform the right times in the right way because mm -hmm. I I can't determine how some person expresses their feelings and, yes. and their beliefs. That's on them. And so sometimes I actually felt like, you know, that was that affected up me as well. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, you can't really help what other, like I'm experiencing with some of the uh, players now with how they express their, their, their beliefs. And, and, and so, but I think with definitely the players were the, they were actually more, um, more on board with obviously the scriptural side of it. Right. Then, but just more so the the way that it was expressed was more yeah. more difficult. But that, that's each to their own. But definitely learned a massive le uh, lesson in terms yes. of um, of that. Definitely, I know you were involved, laddie. Yeah, yeah. For myself, I think uh, that was like my first year back into chaplaincy. So it was a good little, um, you know, wow, wow. Thank you, ma'am. You know, like just this is a, an amazing. Uh, opportunity uh and i was like oh what do i do here um i think for myself you know I, when i was in there you know there was a lot of players uh and it's not even just within my own club uh it was kind of crazy i was getting calls from all different players from all around the super rugby team yeah uh which was quite interesting for myself because i didn't even know how they got my number <laughs> um but uh, I think what it was the testament that the support that uh, was given to help these athletes to be able to voice their, their faith mm. uh, and to be able to give, as I said, one of my roles I felt was to be able to help give understanding to the role of what faith actually does to uh, in supporting a, an athlete. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we had... Uh, you know, a lot of players, yeah, were very more, felt more isolated to not say anything in club rooms. Um, but it was interesting in that time, I, I remember I would step into a club room, into the change rooms, and we'd just sit there. And so we'd have, you know, a bunch of the boys who would question and talk about, you know, the whole situation. Mm. And then the faith boys wouldn't say too much, but I'd be there 
having the conversation with them and and not coming out as a debate but coming as a, di- a dialogue to have a conversation mm-hmm. about it. Um, and, you know, I think most people would actually, you know, if those who, who don't have that faith, they, they would, they're trying to get a reaction out of you and they get surprised when you're like, oh, he's just wanting to talk and, and yeah. explain yeah. And, and help them understand, which at the end of the day, uh, even from the whole club, uh, they were like, how do we get ahead of this? And um, it was really interesting for us. We were able to, um, you know, ask the players, what do you guys want to do? How do you want to express your faith in this time? Mm-hmm. And uh, just within our club uh, at the Rebels, the boys wanted to run an actual church service in Amy Stadium. So um, <laughs> it was really cool. Like, uh, same again, 8 a.m.s. We actually got to run it in uh, in the in where they run the press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, got all the players to come in. I actually got Rory uh, to come in and do worship. So I called Rory. I said, "Rory, can you come on down? Uh, just Sorry, bring your stereo, whatever you use with your pedal, so that you can do all those kind of things with your voice. It'll be great." <laughs> and um, and uh, you do worship, and and then I'll just speak on uh, on a message about faith. Um, and so we literally had, you know, you know, in a team of 44, um, you know, 30 players coming to this pre- to this service, plus the staff with the CEO and all these, um, all the administration, literally coming in, hearing the message, having Rory share uh, worship, and I just felt in my heart I actually was prompted to, you know, what before everyone leaves. Myself and Rory are going to be here, and we, we got each player and staff member to come up, and uh, we we actually prophetically prayed for each one oh, and, wow. and, and prayed over them, and then they went on to start the day. And it was kind of really interesting to see, um, you know, the administration, we should do this every, every morning. This is amazing. <laughs> I feel great. I said, yeah, well, it's totally up to you. So, um so in that time, it was just a way of just making sure we were um, creating a space that athlete, the, the the boys who did have a faith, that they could still feel like they're part of the team, that yeah. they still can share a, a, a big part of themselves. Yes. And I think even also during um, the game, on the game day, um, they wanted to put the word faith on their warm-up tops, which they were able to do. Uh, on their back for so every player wore faith on the back of their tops just to provide diversity and inclusion yes you know I love about what you've just shared then laddie and then what you were sharing earlier George about love just love 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 and one of the keys in the prophetic when we look at 1 Corinthians 11 12 and 13 is yes we should eagerly desire to prophesy but people can't actually even receive what we've got to say to them if we don't first pursue love so if our primary goal isn't to show the love of Christ to people and to love, 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 we can be actually speaking prophetically into their life and be accurate, but they can't, we're nothing but a resounding gong if we don't have love. So I love those stories you've both just shared. I'm going to throw each Sorry of about Go, go, go. No, I was just saying, you just made me thought talking about love. Sometimes love is actually not not what, what you say. It's just, just, you know, how it's shown. And right. it's funny because, like, been a chaplain, they watch you. Like I, I tell all the chaplains I want to become chaplains, you got at least a year of just being there, being just being around, not even saying anything, not even talking about faith at all. Because yes. they watch. People watch and they learn. And so that, that love effect is is more about you being physically present sometimes and not even like saying what you what you know. Yes. So I, I definitely know what you're saying, Stacey. 
That's so true, George. And that's, I guess, what I was getting to about Laddie before. Laddie's presence sometimes, well, all the time when I'm with him, he does. He brings a sense of security that is love. He has the ministry of presence, which I guess is one of the things that you're saying, George, is very necessary to be effective in this kind of role working with these athletes is the ministry of presence. Mm. Yeah, the the effect of that incident or that situation, yeah. the negative, obviously we heard about the negative, the positive of it all is um, like now I know in the NRL there's definitely, like you think about a pie and there's every piece of a pie, there's a pie of spirituality. So they've now really realised that spirituality is an element that an athlete um, has or if they don't have it, then that's okay, but like there's some sort of spiritual element that um, is part of an athlete's well-being. And so that's definitely, you know, they've realised that um, now after after that like it's obviously taken that to to express that but um yes. but you know you realize the positive that, that's come out of that particular situation and what's really interesting about that is even that young man's name what that prophetically means is strong warrior a groundbreaker for god's truth god's chosen one so even through his life in his strong moments and in his weak moments, he's broken ground in the sporting field that now there's this piece of pie that is spirituality. So praise Mm -hmm. the Lord. So I'm going to throw each of you one last question. Um, Biggest challenge of a role like yours, Laddie, in representing Jesus in this sphere? Yeah, I think um, one of the biggest challenges for myself is, um, you know, just trying to get the uh you know supporting the the athletes to know that it's okay to go to church yep um i've found that that was been one of the biggest problems with you know um not trying to rush them to come to church but one of my things is helping them to understand that hey the church is there as a support unit to allow you to to be able to grow in your faith to find community um as as some of the athletes that i've i've had the opportunity to you know, be in relationship with. They've had some bad experiences. Um, some of them have felt like they they're not good enough, uh, just because you know uh, athletes' schedules are so full on. They're training six or seven days a week. They play one day and they're still recovering, which the Sunday is the day of recovery, or they're playing, mm-hmm. and so they don't go to church, and so they can't actually have that routine to be able to practice their faith and so that's a really big challenge they're like okay how do we help them to grow in their faith when their whole life is based around performance and so yeah to to add that challenge is balancing of time and finding that time to be able to make that happen and and helping them understand hey the church is there to be able to support you uh and, and give that that network to to be able to know that you don't isolate yourself, you know, find community where you can. And as you said, you know, not to base it on your profession, but base it on who God says you are. Um, and so that's been a really big challenge for myself uh, with helping athletes getting connected. So good. And that's, I guess, again, why it's so important that you're present in their lives and there for them. So grateful for what you do. George, greatest joy in your role. Oh, the greatest joy. Um, yeah, definitely just like I said, like I've, I've got the fortunate uh, honour of marrying some some players and non-Christians or, or all Christians as well, mm-hmm. just having that part to play um, uh, in their life and that pivotal, you know, step forward, just having that, you know, like 
I've sort of um, been around helps. Like, because there's times where you just think, man, what am I doing here? But then also being involved in someone's family's milestone or being involved in, uh, you know, developing relationships, but also just knowing that you're actually part of something greater. The, 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 I was going to say, if you, you were going to ask me the same question as Dave, was sometimes for me personally, the challenge is actually just my own agenda. Um, you know, like, I mean, a pro, high profile sport, it could be about me all the time because now I'm like, I'm hanging out with, you know, Dave always does it. He posted the selfie on Instagram and everything and all that. No, but like, but that's what I mean. That's in this, in this, in this, in this day and age, like, that's what you're sort of tempted yeah. towards because, you know, look, look, yeah. look at who I'm hanging out with and all that. But the greatest joy is actually you develop this relationship with so many people. And like whether they're playing sport now or in 10 years' time, they don't. You still have a relationship. And that's the that's the actual measure for me if, if they're going to call me in 10 years' time and we're still going to catch up. You know, that's that's the real impact. And I, I think that's definitely one of my um, measures of terms in terms of how my role is doing. Because it definitely I have to do a reality check every now and then, you know, like, I'm hanging out with the other media guys there. They're taking photos. I mean, you know, you're doing different stuff. And so you can, your your personal pro, uh, profile sort of jumps out you, but then you think, hang on, I'm not here for that. I'm here, for, I'm here yeah. to serve. Oh, I love that. Lives of service. It's brilliant. Laddie, would you mind praying for everybody who is in the sporting sphere? Because it would just delight my heart if what they hear out of both of your stories today is that God can use them in the sphere where he has placed them and he can use them to grow other people into disciples of Jesus. So would you mind praying? Yeah, of course. Father, we just uh, thank you for this time that we can uh, come in a conversation uh, and and talk about this sphere, Lord God, in sport. And I just thank you, Father, that uh, you've placed myself and George and others uh, in this sphere to be uh, one that is uh, your hands and your feet and your voice, your mouthpiece to uh, those who are athletes or in, in positions uh, of uh, high uh, positions in the in the sporting clubs. I just pray, Father, that you allow your comfort um, to be able to surround them, uh, but to also to be provide a creative space for them to be innovative, to uh, disciple and mentor uh, young athletes to their next step in their walk of what you've called them to do. Uh, may you allow this space to be a, a place where the church uh, is, a, uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a lighthouse to, to share the love of God and, and to be a resource to, to these athletes and to these organisations that they may be surrounded by. And we just thank you, Father, for just the opportunity that uh, we get to love and serve people uh, just as we are, just what we have in our hands. And we just thank you that you're always sword and shield in front of us and that all we need to do is just step forward and be obedient to it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. I'm so grateful for your time and I know that people are going to be so encouraged through today. And I actually pray blessing and favour over both of you, your families, mm-hmm. over the clubs you represent, the athletes you come into face-to-face interactions with. Uh, I pray that you would, I know you already are carrying Jesus well, but for many, many open doors and conversations. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. And next week, I've got a bit of a panel or a group discussion about some of our experiences in the prophetic at my home church, Numa, in raising and developing a prophetic culture. 
You won't want to miss it as we chat all things in our final Spheres Collection episode, Prophecy and the Church. Can't wait to see you then. See ya.